Hello, I'm Chris Larry. And I'm Amelia Larry. And welcome to a very special 2018 holiday extravaganza pop pod, which is special in so many ways and also happens to be our 40th episode. So we are celebrating 40 episodes with our first ever holiday extravaganza. Amelia, what was it like to put this episode together? It was fun, but stressful. Really? You're going right away well, with the stress? Stress for you, fun for me. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not the one complaining about stress. <laughs> well, because you had to piece it all together, but we have we had so many recording machines, I couldn't even keep track. Yeah, note about the quality of this. We did a lot of this, actually, from a phone or recording interviews over the internet, so... The sound quality may differ, you know, it's not going to be as pristine, but we really, this is such a double-stuffed episode. There's so much content. By the way, we'll, in the show notes, kind of give time timestamps for all where the different individual sections go. So if you want to time shift it, if you want to listen to one thing first, you want to skip a section, the show notes will be your guide. What, are, what can people expect from this uh, holiday extravaganza episode? You can expect, one, to take up a whole car ride, two, to just kind of like feel the cheer of a holiday because it's all about Christmas. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's a little bit of our, you know, we we focused on a couple things. One, right off the bat, you're going to hear the first long segment is actually something we're really excited about. It's our first ever celebrity guest interview. We interview Matt Lieberman, who was the screenwriter and involved in the production of this year's holiday hit Christmas movie, The Christmas Chronicles. What was it like to talk to Matt, Amelia? So usually if you talk to like a superstar, let's say, you'd get really nervous, but it was somehow kind of calming because he's actually our friend and we knew him before he even wrote the movie. So it wasn't as like, oh my God, I'm going to interview a superstar, but it was also a thrill. So, yeah, I've known him since 1990. <laughs> so that, but that was super exciting. So we talked about the Christmas Chronicles and a little bit into what went in making that and a little bit about making movies in general. Then we actually have a great section on DIY Christmas traditions where we talk to uh, Gamma and Grandpa Larry about their tradition of making their own Christmas cards. And we also have a return visit from Team Plumley in Memphis, Tennessee, as they talk about how they make their Christmas cards and they make their annual Christmas music mix CD. So some great conversations there. And then what's the, what's the other special part about this episode? The other special part about this episode is we took family and also friends that are as close as family. And we asked them, just say their favorite holiday memory or tradition. It's that easy. But people got off on crazy starts. And it was fun to just, like, record them and listen. Like, oh, that's a cool tradition. That's a cool memory. That's right. So early you're going to hear movie guy Nico, um, you know, one of our regular guests, and his mom and dad talk about some of their traditions. And then the last part of this episode is... We get almost every one of our Moyer and Lawrence immediate family members to share a tradition or a memory. So aunts, uncles, cousins, all kinds of people. 
mixed together, Moyers and Lawrence's sort of representing, you know, our two families coming together. And so we get lots of great memories. We may have not been able to collect a few. We're st still, as we record this and piece the episode together, still trying to get a few more. But for basically the last three weeks, we've been collecting these stories. Yeah, and it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. All right, so this episode is long for us. I think it may even be close to an hour. We've had hour episodes before, but this one's a long one. Any thoughts on that? I think it's amazing. All right, well, we'll see. Um, we hope you enjoy it. And we just want to say a very happy holidays from Amelia and myself. The Larry's Pop Pot has been a real layer of love to be hosting our 40th episode and to be such a special episode is really kind of mind-boggling. We passed 5,000 downloads a few weeks ago. So, you know, we're really excited about this and really deeply grateful and thankful for all of you who download, who listen, who contribute pieces, all the people who have, who have submitted episodes or been guests. We really just want to say thank you. Also, I know April sounds like the longest time from now, but... That is actually our two-year anniversary. And that's just crazy to get for us since we built this podcast like with no, basically no other podcast giving us advice, really. And now within one and a half years, we've got 5,000 downloads. Pretty exciting. So sit back if you're in a car ride, if you're doing something with your family, we're dropping this episode on Christmas Eve, so it's our holiday gift to you, the listeners, who have given us way more gifts than we've been able to give to you. So, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Uh, we'll probably be running some other stuff over the next couple weeks as well, um, and basically continuing to have fun. Looking forward to the new year. One thing you can look forward to is we will be doing our top pop culture highlights of 2018. Um, so we'll be recording that and getting that up right around the New Year's. So enjoy the show. Yeah, I hope you guys have a fun time. Hi, I'm Nico the Movie Guy. And my favorite tradition is opening presents because it's so fun when Santa delivers all your presents and your mom and dad just, you wake up and it's joy, all comfy. Uh, hi, I'm Nico's dad, Greg, and my favorite Christmas memory is Christmas of 1983, and I got a Walkman, uh, and it was the kind that only played AM and FM radio, and it came with orange fuzzy headphones, and I just have a very clear memory of putting it on for the first time and hearing music just shot straight into my brain for the first time with those headphones. And the song that came on was Africa by Toto. And it's, to this day, still maybe my very favorite song. Hi, my name is Andrea. I'm Nico's mom. And my favorite holiday tradition uh, that I like to do in December is one word, Elf, the movie. Buddy, you're more of an elf than anyone I ever met. Welcome back to the Larry's Pop Pod. Uh, we have a very special guest. It is the screenwriter of an 
instant classic and our favorite new holiday movie, and that is The Christmas Chronicles, which you can find on Netflix. And the screenwriter is Matt Lieberman. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. We love the movie, and we've got some questions to ask you as part of our holiday extravaganza pop pod. Amelia, take away the first question. All right. The first question is, what was your inspiration for this movie? That's a great question. Actually, the original idea was uh, was from this another writer who David Guggenheim, who uh, wrote Safe House with Brian Reynolds, and he came up with the idea and wrote uh, Designated Survivor. And you know, so he is a great action thriller guy, but he didn't have time, I think, for or. Uh, you know, this wasn't kind of his type of movie to write, but he had an idea for two kids, like a found footage Christmas movie. And it was just like, I think it was two kids. It was very, it was definitely different, but uh, we have the same manager and my manager asked me and I had had a similar idea for a while and I just ran with it. But the original idea was actually a fully found footage movie. So that was kind of like that first 10 minutes of the movie was kind of the holdover from that piece where they were going through the old camcorder footage. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is mostly the original movie, but uh, Santa Claus had a much smaller part because I wanted it to seem as realistic as possible. And I kind of felt like the more you saw Santa, the, the less real it felt because it was almost all through the camcorder. But it is a lot, you know, all the set pieces, all the action scenes are pretty much the same as they were in the original. But yeah, uh, Chris Columbus and the Clay Claytis like did not care about found footage. And like, so now there's only two minutes of it in the whole movie. <laughs> so I went fastly away from that. So after you took over the script and then, you know, kind of went from it just being a script that you picked up and wrote, take, take us through how the, it got made from that point on. Uh, yeah. So I sold the script as, you know, an original, I, you know, original spec it's called a spec script at six years ago this month and chris columbus bought it his company 1492 bought it they had their own money they didn't do it didn't do much for five years clay Cadis, the director who directed angry birds he got involved somewhere along the way but they um their plan to make it you know somehow didn't come to fruition and then netflix one year ago like last summer summer 2017 said can one of the kids be a girl? Because there were two brothers at first. Can one of the kids be a girl? And can Santa Claus have a bigger part? And I said, yes and yes. And they paid me to write a new, kind of new version of it. And they were right, I think, on both accounts. Because I think I like it so much better with a girl and a boy. And, you know, Kurt Russell did an incredible job as Santa Claus and makes the whole movie. Let's follow up a little bit. So they said, turn up the volume on Santa Claus. And... One of our favorite things about the movie is all of the new little wrinkles and explanations and thoughtfulness about Santa Claus and the myth and his magic. What helped you come up with those kind of new new take on Santa Claus, which is, is hard to do here in, in 2018? You know, I think it all came pretty... I mean, I think I wrote the whole first draft of the first script in a week. And the things that were in there, the, the yeah, it's crazy. The bag was a portal in that first thing because I wanted to get her to the North Pole. I mean, the kids to the North Pole. I needed a way for them to find the bag. So I like was like, what about an ornament? 
And oh, and then all the stuff with Santa Claus. Yeah, we just kind of came up on the spot. We're like, well, what are Santa Claus's powers? Oh, well, you know, he knows what everybody wants. Like, and so that was an easy power. And then actually, one thing that kind of came in the development last year with Chris Columbus was it was Chris Columbus's idea to have the music scene in the jail cell. And he had an idea. He what if he whips out these uh, guitars? And and I was like, well, you can't just whip up guitars out of nowhere (laughs) like like we have to set it up somehow so we're like oh well what if he like does it you know something little at first which turned into the baseball card and then you know in the we saw that the scene with the cop would be a great for him to pull out all you know so to set it up to seed it so it doesn't just feel like it comes out of nowhere and I, I think that are there any is there anything I'm missing maybe the the take on the the elves was that more the special effects department or did you kind of sketch those out that was in the original script that they were like gremlinish like before I knew Chris Columbus would ever even read the script oh uh, weird uh, they were like gremlinish and they were actually like a little because it was found footage you know she would turn the camera around and there were like a bunch of you know green night vision eyes looking at her and closing in on her like, I don't even know if they were that cute. No, they were cute. While Netflix was making the actual movie, how much creative influence did you have? That's a great question, because uh, um, there are so many strong and talented people working on this. Like I said, they had those three notes. Well, yeah, make one of the kids a girl, more Santa Claus. Was there something else? Uh, maybe it was to get some of the budget down, but that, that, uh, that wasn't your job. Yeah, and that didn't end up mattering. So uh, I worked with Chris Columbus on another. I, I first I did that draft, and then it got a green light from the studio, which means they're going to make it. And then I worked with Chris on another draft, kind of in, you know incorporating his ideas. He has a lot of lot of stuff, very Chris Columbusy stuff sprinkled out throughout. Uh, you know, he really brings a great sensibility to it. Uh, you just realize, you know how profound that guy has been on pop culture when you're working with him he's such a nice guy too he was he did he did the first harry potter movie right he did the first two harry potters first two harry potters yeah i mean he has an he's had an amazing career right out of nyu he wrote gremlins right old then he steven spielberg called him i believe to come and write goonies for him he also directed and maybe wrote adventures in babysitting he uh Home Alone, Home Alone 2, uh, Percy Jackson. I mean, yeah, the guy has done amazing stuff. Oh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Wow. What did you learn from working with him? Um, I, that's a great question. Well, as seeing that I've been a professional screenwriter for 10 years and I, this is my first movie to get made, uh, he, was def- he was definitely very mentorish in like what things would work on screen. You know, because you, as a writer in Hollywood, you're definitely writing scripts for people to get excited about them and to read them easily and for them to see the potential and say, yes, we want to make this. But then taking some of that, those scenes and making them so that they'll play on screen or uh, is a whole different beast of which I'm not, uh, you know, don't have as much experience in. So he, you know, he knows what he wants. He like works himself through each scene he's a great writer too it's just like little things to know what jokes would hit what would land where it would where what was maybe just too much action yeah he that that's probably what he taught me most i think and now i'm working with him on the sequel 
So, uh, oh, whoa, I think we're just breaking news here. There's going to be a sequel. Exclusive. <laughs> Exclusive. Yeah, we're working on talking about the, the, the sequel, and uh, well, I'm writing it. And uh, it's been great doing that with him, too. Nice. So how many days did you spend actually on the set while they were making it? Uh, as writer, because Chris, uh, you know, is such a strong writer, too. They didn't need me there day to day. You know, if there were little problems, he would, you know, he would just change them on the spot. Uh, so I was only on set for two or three days just to be nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> Not because I was needed or anything, uh, but it was a thrill to see the Hall of Letters set. I mean, when you go there on the stage, it's huge. The North Pole set soundstage was, I mean, it was a dream. I was pinching myself. It was incredible. After the movie was published, what you? What were your ideas about the success of the movie? Ideas about the success? I'm just really excited that it's, uh, I mean, it really seems to be connecting with people. I got to see it. Uh, fortunately, uh, they did like some test screenings. So I got to see it. And then the premiere, I got to see it in a movie theater with people, which I think, I mean, I love that it's on Netflix, but it would be definitely cool <laughs> for it to be in movie theaters because it's like, a, you know, it's fun to hear everybody laughing and getting excited and being thrilled. Like it was it really got a great response in the theaters. And, you know, now that it's out, you just see on Twitter and Ted Sarandos announced that 20 million people saw it in the first week. Uh, it's exciting. Would have Never would have thought. Did you have even like an inkling that you were making a movie that was going to probably hold up against Elf and some of the other kind of modern Christmas classics from the last 25 years? Not really. I mean, when Kurt Russell got involved, I... He was like their first, our first choice. He was like the dream choice. And, you know, I was like, well, that's very cool. But I'm a cynical person. <laughs> and as it was, you know, looking good, uh, you know, the little scenes I saw and it was even when they were testing it and it was testing really well, I, I'm just a cynical person. I did not even think about it. It didn't occur to me. It's kind of weird. Like, how you think it will be when your movie gets released and just being in the day-to-day -day of it and then it actually getting released and like people putting it yeah in their top lists and recommending it. I mean I've had so many friends be like the stranger came up to me you know and it's somewhere in my day and told me to watch it like that's just so cool. How long do you think the sequel is going to take from when you write the first draft to when it's when we can see it? Uh, I mean, ideally, that would be, it you would see it next, at uh, 2020. Wow, okay. Okay. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Uh, the movie business is tricky, but, the, you know, Netflix is very happy with how it's doing, and you know, like I said, they are, we are talking, you know, we are deep in, into the, into working on it. All right, we have one final question, but first of all, Matt, thank you so much. We know we're, we're honored to have, you're our first celebrity guest we've had many <laughs> on, but you're our first big time celebrity so thank you for being part of our part of our show the pop pod and we love the movie so we're excited to have you on oh, i'm excited to be on i'm a big fan of the pop pod wow nice all right final question your daughter violet is in the movie she's one of the basically letters from santa on the video wall tell yep. us a little bit about how she made her film debut <laughs> that was just 
the in the first screening, I saw that they had the wall and they had like a lot of blue screens for when they were going to add it later. And, you know, I'm good friends now with the director and his wife, who was a producer on it. And I just said, hey, is any chance I could get uh, Violet on? They were like, yeah, just send the video. And I did, we did, and I, back in April, and even in the test screening, she wasn't up there. So I said, you know, it's probably not going to happen, honey. And then at the premiere, boom, there she is. And I was like elbowing her in the movie theater, but she didn't, she, if she was excited, she didn't show it too much. <laughs> you played it cool? Yeah, she played it cool. And even on the first day of school, a bunch of her friends ran over and were like, we saw you, we saw you. And she was like, uh, you know, I don't think she likes the attention, actually. We noticed her right away, right, Amelia? Yeah, I was like, wait, that's Violet. Yeah, we had to, we, we hit pause. That's a nice thing about Netflix. We hit pause, we rewound, we confirmed, we yelled, and then we continued. <laughs> nice. No, that's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, they, she, they gave her a great placement, too. So that was very cool. Yeah, she was center screen. All right, so outside, here's our final question, we promise. But outside of working on uh, Christmas Chronicles Volume Mm 2, what else else are you working on? I'm working on a lot of cool projects right now. There's like a video game. Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. Uh, There's a movie that I just worked on that's shooting in February. That's uh, called Playing With Fire. It's uh, like a kindergarten cop with firemen. Uh-huh. With John Cena starring in it. So he's like a smoke jumper who rescues a bunch of kids and gets stuck in their like cool, tough depot with a bunch of kids who, you know, warm their hearts. And then there's another, my Ryan Reynolds movie is shooting in April and they just announced cast yesterday. Uh, so Jodie Comer from Killing Eve. Wow. And Lil Rel, who is in Get Out. Uh, he was like the funny security guy in Get Out. Oh, the best friend? Yeah, he's the best friend in this. And then that's about a guy who, like, realizes he's the background. He's like a background character in Grand Theft Auto. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you... Ryan Reynolds has been amazing to work with, and he's so talented and funny, and I can't wait. I mean, that's very exciting. That's shooting in Boston in April, so I'm very excited. Well, you've, you've broken, I think, three pieces of news, so we expect The Hollywood Reporter to be tracking <laughs> on our podcast, um, so you can expect big things from that. Well, we just like to say thank you. Yeah, thank you for this. This is going to be great. Oh, awesome. Thanks, guys, and I hope you guys have a great holiday. We will. I think there's family waiting for us to go open presents as we speak. Oh, nice. We'll get to it. Merry All Christmas. Right. Watch the Christmas Chronicles. We will. We will tell everyone. Thank you so much, Matt, and and congratulations on the success. Thanks, guys. Let's get this party started. No sleigh with reindeer, no sack on my back. You're gonna see me coming in a big black Cadillac. Oh, it's Christmas time, pretty baby. And the snow is falling on the ground. 
Welcome back to the Larry's Pop Pod. Of course, this is Chris. And I'm Amelia. And uh, thank you again for being part of the Holiday Extravaganza episode of the Larry's Pop Pod. Uh, we're sitting here with a returning guest, actually, Gianna Larry. How you doing, Gianna? Hi, I'm great. Now, this, is, I believe, is your second appearance on the Pop Pod, or third? Which one? Second. Second? What were the other two times? Um, well, one. one. I... Uncle Brian was interviewing me, and I got in as one of the interviews. That's right. Do you remember, you were talking about a movie, right? Do you remember what movie it was? Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. That's right. A, a, a family uh, favorite across the, across all the Larrys. All right, we're going to, um, as part of our holiday extravaganza here, we're here with uh, Larry Larry and Gloria Larry, uh, and they're going to talk a little bit about... Their tradition of making their own Christmas cards and not this just kind of non, you know, not going on tiny prints and slapping a photo in something, which uh, cough that we do, although we, we take great pride in them as well. Uh, but they go all out, full art project, months of conceptualization and thinking. So let's start out. What was the, we didn't always do this. So what was the beginning of this tr- tradition? I'm going to ask you, Gloria Larry, and then I'll ask you, Larry Larry. Uh, when we moved to the Outer Banks, I wanted something to look beachy, not just a regular Christmas card. So nothing I found I liked or said us. So we started thinking about it and decided to make our own, which meant photographing something. First of all, the idea, which was sometimes difficult, photographing them, adding to them, whatever we needed to do to make our Christmas card from the Outer Banks very personal. All right, Larry, Larry, what do you have to add? What, what do you remember from the, maybe from the decision to make the very first one? Uh, looking around for the best place to do it, exactly what we were trying to uh, put forward in, in the, the photo and the card. Did we want beach scene? Did we want to add to it? All those uh, little details that we worked out, and they change year to year. Um, how'd you come up with the idea? Um, it was sort of like I just said. It was just a matter Ooh. of trying to find something that represented Grandpa and I at the beach. So, earlier, not on the podcast, but you said that Every year, it's been harder to create new ones. How so? Uh, Because you run out of ideas after a while. There's only one ocean and one shore, so you can only 
write happy holidays in the sand one time before it becomes passe or old hat or whatever. Who nobody wants to see happy holidays written in the sand five years in a row. Let's go into some of your favorites. So think back, I'll ask each of you kind of whether it was about the inspiration, about how you made them, about you know, whatever it is that comes to your mind. And by the way, we will get photographs of as many of these as we can and and post a little slideshow link on our show notes so you can see these. Um, and then maybe when you when you talk about your favorite, give it a little bit of description. Paint a picture for the listeners. All right, Gloria Larry, tell us a little bit of the story about, you know, one or some of your faves. All right, I have three favorites. The first favorite is the very first one we ever did, which is... Gamma and Grandpa, Santa Claus, Walking on the Beach. That's the very first one. My other two favorites are when we lost um, Larry's mom, we have a painting that she did that hangs over our bed, and I wanted to incorporate that somehow. And so I found a reindeer online, and Grandpa Larry cut it out, and we have the reindeer flying over the beach representing... Larry's mom, and Christmas coming. And my third favorite is I lost my mom this year, and she painted murals in her house, full-wall murals. So I took some pictures of them, and what we did, one is a beach scene with a lighthouse, and what we did was take that one small piece of her mural, added a wreath to it, added a big star to it. So those two are very, very special to us because... They represent our mother's, our mother's artwork, and, of course, our mother's love. I, I like the, the one I like the best is the reindeer one. It's cartoony. It's kind of cute. That's the one I like. I think you could, I think if you put the, the reindeer one, I think if you put any of these in a Target store, you'd have a cottage industry, but the reindeer one would pop on the shelf because it is wonderfully weird. Gianna and... Amelia Larry, do you have any favorites that you remember or, or want to talk about? Um, I remember this year getting that one with the lighthouse, and that was pretty cool. And then another one I loved is um, Gamma. You have you have um, dollhouses all over, and you had one where it's like basically in the it's in the dollhouse with a Christmas tree, Santa checking his list. Presents under the tree, and um, Mrs. Claus bringing out cookies, chocolate, of course, and milk. And I just really like it because it's festive, and it looks real, but it then it everything, you can see that glint of plastic, and it's like, oh, right. Gianna, do you have a favorite? Um, my favorite is the one that Amelia just talked about, and also the one with Gamma... Larry and Grandpa Larry on the beach and it also looks like Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus so I really like it. That is a good one I agree. These are all fantastic you know you've been doing these about 10 years is safe to say? 11 years maybe? Mm -hmm. So a good decade tradition. What's some of the reaction that you've been getting? You know I think the first couple years you probably got you know so that's so cool but now when it's become such a tradition you know, I wonder what it means for other people's holidays when they get this card. We've gotten some cards sent to us, and people write, we love getting your Christmas card. We wait to see it every year. Some of them say, 
very touching, especially the ones about the mothers. So I think you often wonder um, what people are thinking and if they appreciate it, but when you hear somebody say, whoa, can't wait to get your card or loved your card this year, um, and of course we don't do it for that reason. We do it to send out love from us, but it's also very nice just to hear that people, it means something to people. And you do it a little bit for the dap. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) What's your emotions when you get those responses and, like, people say, oh, we're waiting for your card? I think I just basically think, oh, that's so sweet. That's really nice. I so appreciate that they say something about them. You know, that that means a lot to me. So it's, it's... I show it to Grandpa, and we smile, and we go, oh, that's so nice that that somebody liked it. One other thing about being in uh, this house is, you know, it's got a lot of Christmas cheer, but there's also maybe the East Coast's largest uh, Santa collection, so many, so that they don't fully all get displayed, although, and I know you don't count, and the girls have tried counting in the past, but they, they tap out somewhere around 80 how many do you think, what's your guesstimate you have out this year, Larry, Larry? Around 80 sounds pretty close. What's your guess, Glory, Larry? I would say it's it's close to that. I'm not positive, but they're scattered all over the house. And when we decorate, when I put them out, I really am not paying attention to how many there are. I'm paying attention to where they're going to look the best. What's the latest in the year you found a Santa that you forgot to put away? Oh, I don't I don't know if I've ever done that. I've kept some out in case I want to use them for next year's Christmas card. Um, and there's one blue Santa that hung in our house at Burke, and he stays in this hutch all year long just as a reminder um, that the Christmas spirit should stay with you all the time. So he- Team Plumley, we are uh, recording something in response to Larry's Pop Pod request that we talk about two holiday traditions that we have. The first is our annual Christmas card, and the second is the Christmas CD that we send out every year. So it's uh, this is Eric, and I got Frank and Phoebe here with me, and I guess we'll talk first about the card. Yeah. What did we do this year, guys? We did a record. Um, it was Slade. It, it was Slade. So the concept is we take a record cover, one that we would call like, you know, I always try to look for like what I think is like an iconic record cover. And since we're a family of four, we either have to do one that's got two people on it and it's just the kids, or we do one with four people on it and then we can fit in the whole family. And Slade was a four piece and all four guys were on the cover we did uh, the Slade cover with the Slade record, uh, which is Slade, S-L-A-Y-E-D, with a question mark, which is a play on their name, the band Slade, S-L-A-D-E. And we twisted the Slade 
with the question mark to say slayed like a sleigh as a little Christmas riff. And then what we do is we take a picture of all four of us mimicking the Christmas, the the, the record cover. And I guess we flip it over and we put a song. Part of the concept is you also have a quote from like a Christmas song that from the same band too that we put on the back cover, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys like doing this? Yeah, it's fun. I mean, some record covers are a harder sell with you guys than others because we've been doing this for a few years and we've done a bunch of them now. And some are easier to sell to you guys and some are harder. Now, how'd you guys feel about this year's? Um, it was fine. I like this year's. Yeah, it was fine. Frank, we called on you to do something a little different this year because there was only one guy on the record cover that is topless and we asked you to be the guy that didn't wear a shirt. How'd you feel about that? I didn't really care. It was fun. It was still fun, right? Eh. (laughs) (laughs) And next year we have some in mind. We're not going to say what they are, but uh, what's your favorite one that we've done so far? Hmm. I like this year's the best. What about you, Frank? I like last year's. Last year's we did the Louvin Brothers, uh, Satan is Real, and we switched it to Santa's Real, and you guys were on the cover, right? Yeah. Okay. And then we've also done the Undertones, the Ramones, and the Who. And uh, I guess people will, whoever's on the, the Plumley family uh, holiday card list will just wait to see who we do next year. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's the Christmas card. And then another thing we do, and we've been doing this for a real long time, is we make a Christmas CD that goes out to a bunch of people that we think would appreciate receiving something like that. And that's mostly sort of my labor of love. And I've been doing it now for close to 20 years. Like when I first started out at doing it, it was still on cassettes. It has since moved to CDs. I've since thought about doing it as like a Dropbox, but it just doesn't seem like it would be as fun to get something emailed to you as it does getting something in the mail. And the way I do that, uh, the Christmas CD every year is I go into my collection of Christmas records, which I buy year long, year round. I'm always looking for Christmas records. And then I pick enough songs to make about a 45-minute uh, track list. And here's the deal, though. We never repeat a song. So, like, we've been doing it all for almost 20 years, and we're probably going to do it for, like, another 20 years, but we never repeat a song. So they can't all be bangers. Like, three or four can be really, really great Christmas songs. And then, like... Another three or four can be pretty good. And then honestly, like a bunch of them are kind of terrible, but you got to fill in the space so you can make a full CD and keep the thing going. And what do you guys like about the Christmas CD? Hmm. Do you like listening to it in the car? Yeah. What's your favorite Christmas songs from Christmas CDs past? I like I don't Feliz really... Navidad. You like Feliz Navidad? What about you, Frank? Well, I don't really um, know any of the names of the songs. I just listen to it. Well, let me ask you this. To me, there's like two really good kind of Christmas songs. Yeah, I like Feliz Navidad. I like Feliz Navidad, too. It's a classic. To me, there's like two really different kind of Christmas songs. There's good versions of standards, and then there's original Christmas songs that someone just makes up, and it's not Jingle Bells or Snow or, or White Christmas. It's just a completely original one. Do you like a good fun take on a standard or do you like an original Christmas song where someone just completely made something up? Um, I like both. I like the one where they just make something up. I like that one more because you hear like jingle bells like all the time so it gets kind of boring after a while. But yeah. I like jingle bells because it's all festive. Me too. 
And I like them both. I love a great version of a standard, but I really, really love a original Christmas song that is that one person, only one person has ever recorded. And those are the records I look for the most, and they're the ones that make me the happiest, and I always like to find a couple good ones to throw on the Christmas CD. Anyways, that's it. Thanks for asking us to do it, and uh, happy, Bye-bye. happy holidays, and Happy New Year. Well, who wore long hair and a fuzzy beard before any hippie was ever here? From patent leather boots and psychedelic clothes and little granny glasses upon his nose. Santa Claus, the original hippie. of the Larry's Pop Pod. And um, one of my favorite holiday traditions is now going to cut a fresh tree because when I was growing up, my family always had an artificial tree. My dad would spray a pine scent on the tree to make sure it really seemed like the real deal, but truly it was just a fake tree that we all loved but had to put together. So by the time I got to be an adult, going out with my family, cutting down a fresh tree was really a thing. Another one of my favorite traditions is putting up my husband's many, many Nutcracker collection. We put them all over our house, and they are hidden as candles in the garden. All over our house we find little Nutcrackers or gnomes that look like Nutcrackers. Anything that's a Nutcracker we put out around the holiday time. Hey, everybody. It's Joe Moyer from Maryland. I'm Amelia's Uncle Joe, frequent contributor to the podcast. So one of my favorite Christmas memories growing up as a kid was putting up our Christmas tree, which was fake. My dad always had a fake Christmas tree. We'd put it together limb by limb. But then the favorite part was when the tree got old, he had a spray that smelled like evergreen, that he had to spray the tree to make it seem like it was still real. And it stunk so badly, we literally had to leave the house laughing and cracking up all the way home. My favorite Christmas tradition was putting up the wiry fake tree every year for Christmas. We had it in our family for so long that finally it cost 14 cents a Christmas because each Christmas it got cheaper. And my dad would let us know every year how much it cost per year as the price continued to get down the more years we used it. And we also had to spray it with pine scent because it did not smell like a tree. And we had to put so many ornaments on it and tinsel on it because it basically looked like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. Hey, everybody, this is Brian Lawrence, uh, Amelia's uncle. Uh, I've contributed to the, pot, the Larry's Pop Pot a couple times. Excited to be back on. Um, my favorite tradition, which I actually relived this year, was uh, my family and I would go cut down a tree every single year um, instead of going to, like, Home Depot or something nubby. And uh, we would cut down our own tree, and, you know, my mom and I would always laugh because my dad would just have to do all the work. And uh, we would do the fun parts of picking it out. Um, and that was just always some of my fondest memories, and I got to relive that uh, this year with my child, and it was uh, super awesome. Merry Christmas. My favorite Christmas tradition is Christmas Eve, where we would have a special roast and a special dinner, and 
the family would be together, and it was just a very, very special time before Christmas morning. I'm Maddie, Amelia's older cousin, and my favorite holiday tradition is every year on Christmas Eve, my family goes to church, and then we go to Starbucks after and get a holiday drink. Hello, I'm Amelia's cousin. Um, my name's Michael, and my favorite Christmas holiday tradition is making dinner with my family. We make goose, stuffing, canoodle, and all the good uh, Christmas, Christmassy Germany things. Hi, I'm Amelia's Aunt Susie, and I am delighted to participate on Amelia's podcast about a favorite Christmas tradition. A favorite Christmas tradition for me is when our family gets together and cooks the traditional Christmas dinner with traditional recipes that we have uh, that encompass uh, such delicious meals and, and such delicious recipes, such as knödel, which is dumplings, kraut, which is cabbage, like white cabbage or red cabbage that has been shredded, also duck or goose. We also uh, add a prog, which is a Czech uh, potato salad, uh, etc. I especially enjoy it when the kids and us, when we make the Czech-German Plätzchen uh, recipes for my Czech grandmother's cookbook. We have some ground hazelnuts cookies that are what we call stuck together with red currant jelly and these and these are definitely a family favorite. My favorite Christmas tradition has to be our Christmas dinner. It's amazing. It's a mix of German and Irish and Czech. Um, the food is incredible. It's all it's all European with some American influences. Each generation adds something to it. Um, the most emblematic bit of that is our stuffing. We have, uh, it started out with a mixture of really whatever was around because it's all people had and then moved over to veal and then moved over to turkey and then moved back to, back to veal again. People add and drop things. And for a while, somebody lived in the Caribbean, so they added coconuts. And for a bit, somebody lived in, uh, inside of the United States in, in Louisiana. So they started adding some uh, Cajun spices in there. Um, and the European influences still stayed strong inside of it. And it's just this wonderful, delicious food we make. I mean, we cook all day. We make for maybe eight hours or so. We make goose, we make two ducks, we make two types of kraut, we make kartoffel salad, we make canoodle, we have, um, which, which is just sort of like a a boiled bread thing, which is much more delicious than it sounds, I promise. Uh, and it has to be my favorite Christmas tradition. Hey, I'm Steven, and I'm the cousin of Amelia. My favorite holiday tradition, probably at Thanksgiving, when I get to share with my family what I'm thankful for. We kind of just go around the table and we share what we're thankful for. And that's uh, my favorite because it really helps me to appreciate, and it helps us to appreciate life more when we think about what we're thankful for so yeah i am scott and i am amelia's uncle and my favorite christmas tradition is getting together with family every year and seeing everyone grow up and getting old and sharing presents with family i'm travis amelia's favorite cousin and my favorite christmas tradition is chocolate <laughs> and also vanilla and all the sweets. And people. All the sweet people. Hi, I'm Susan, Amelia's aunt. And my favorite thing about the holidays is having everybody come visit and get together and 
make time out of their schedules to come from different areas and gather and talk and share memories. And I love decorating the house and making it beautiful and hanging stockings and lights for everyone to enjoy. Hi, I'm Aunt Pam, Amelia's aunt. Uh, and my memory, Christmas memory, which is one of a kind, goes back to at the Moyer household on Kersey Lane decades and decades ago. So we were all around the table. Uh, Grandma Moyer had been kind enough to invite my mom and grandmother because they would have been alone. And as we're sitting down at the table, there was a candle just like this one. And Aunt Sharon passes the green beans to somebody and does not realize that her Angora sweater catches on fire. So she's burning and we're all looking like this. I have never seen my mother, who was in her 60s at the time, move so fast in her life. She practically tackled Sharon across the, across the table and put it out. So she saved Christmas dinner. I'm Paul. I am Amelia's uncle. I think the holidays are about family, food, and decorating. And so the fun thing for us was when we had our cousins over and the O'Brien cousins would come in and they were a little younger and they couldn't ever really reach the top of the tree. So we would make fun of Brendan O'Brien, our littlest cousin, just because he was the smallest. Hi, I'm Amelia. You all know me. And my favorite holiday tradition is when I write my letter to Santa, I ask him to please leave one of the presents on the end of my bed. So when I wake up, I have like a little tiny present waiting for me, even if my parents are still asleep. So uh, the story I want to share, I believe I was around seven or eight years old, and it was uh, Christmas was coming, and I thought, I think I'm going to get a new bike, because I've, I've told my, par my parents and Santa that I want a new bike. And so I think I'm going to get a new bike. And I was really looking forward to that. But I also knew we didn't have a lot of money, but I thought, they really know I'm going to get a new bike. So anyway, I wake up Christmas morning early and go downstairs. And my recollection is that I see, oh, my brother Dan got a brand new guitar. <sighs> That's cool. That's okay. I didn't see the bike. The bike was not out. So I was initially really sad. And Dan was real happy. And Paul was happy. He got something. Uncle Joe, little Uncle Joe, because he was little at the time. And little, really little, Mary, my sister Mary, she got something. They were all really happy. And I thought, well, okay, so I didn't get a bike. There's no bike there. And I, I talked to myself, and I said, it's okay. I mean, I've got a good life, and we don't have a lot of money in our house, so I understand. It's fine. I'll be fine. I came to a good resolution point. And then my dad says, hey, Tom, come out back to the patio, and there is a brand-new 10-speed Schwinn bike. And Schwinn was like this great bike. And I just about wanted to cry. So total surprise. I really went from being totally down and disappointed to rejoicing. And then, of course, Paul, Paul and Dan were like, now shut up. You got a bike. Shut up. You're fine. So anyway, that's my, my happy Christmas bicycle story. My favorite childhood memory at the holidays is when my family did a secret Santa. And, you know, lots of madness going around. Five kids. And somehow my name was forgotten. I think somebody got two gifts and I got no gift. And I tried to brush it off like it was no big deal. 
my brother ran home secretly and he rang the front doorbell. And when I went to get the door, they said it was for me. My brother was there and he said he had something for me. And behind the bushes, he pulled out a guitar, an acoustic Takamine guitar that he gave to me and later taught me how to play it and was so sweet. I cherished it forever. So that's the spirit of Christmas for me. Great. Hi, um, I'm Aunt Sharon and I'm Amelia's aunt and Uncle Tom is my husband. And my one of my favorite Christmas traditions was from my childhood. My mom would decorate a beautiful Christmas tree, but something amazing would happen. Between the time I went to bed on Christmas Eve and the time I woke up on Christmas morning, my mom would add beautiful candy canes to our Christmas tree. They would just, in my mind, magically appear while I was sleeping. And they were for us to enjoy all the way through until New Year's Day. And she never told us that we couldn't have as many as we wanted. So we just loved our candy canes um, that showed up on Christmas morning. Hi, my name is Denise, and my favorite holiday memory is of my children doing a scavenger hunt each holiday. My husband writes up a little scavenger hunt, and they have to go around the house looking for their gifts. And this makes them work very hard for their gifts, and it's always funny. I'm James, and I'm uh, Amelia's older cousin. For my favorite holiday tradition, we like to do scavenger hunts for our last Christmas present under the tree uh, during the holidays. Hey, I'm Chris, and I'm Amelia's cousin. My favorite Christmas memory was in the Catskill Mountains. The whole family was there. I was going through kind of a tough time in my life, and I just remember sitting down and watching the Redskins game with everybody, and it was just a really, really good family time, and, and it really helped me in that moment. So that's my favorite Christmas memory. Hi, I'm Gianna. I'm Amelia's cousin. And my favorite traditions of Christmas is baking and decorating the cookies. It, like, takes over my kitchen and dining room. And, like, we have a decorating station to put the icing on, a sprinkling station, cutting and rolling station. And we put them in tins and deliver it to all of our neighbors. So my favorite memories from Christmas are probably from how Daniel or Stephen or both will give a gift that's really physically small but pack it in really, really big boxes and then go slowly down and just nest the boxes together. So they'll probably have... Then they'll tape each box way, way too much. So it'll take probably a minute or two per box and it's inside of 10 or 15 boxes just to get to something really tiny like a gift card or something. But it starts out with like a four by four box and it's huge. So it's always fun to watch someone open a present for like 30 minutes trying to get to the center just for like a small gift card or something like that. So. My favorite Christmas tradition is reflecting on Jesus's birth and for sure eating cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning. My favorite Christmas memory is the smell of cinnamon rolls, waking up to that wafting through the house because every year uh, in the morning, my sister always uh, bakes the really good uh, pull-apart rolls of Pillsbury Doughboy um, cinnamon rolls with glaze on them. And it's really the only time of year that we eat any anything like that and uh, I just really associate something about the smell uh, with Christmas and it's always a really happy nice memory. Hi Amelia it's your cousin Kara over here um, so I am just here to share a little bit about my favorite Christmas traditions. Um, I 
have a couple. So putting out carrots for Santa the night before so that he loses a couple pounds next year. And then eating cinnamon buns as soon as we wake up in the morning and opening all of our presents. It puts you in a food coma for the rest of the day, and then we just keep going from there. And it's part of my favorite part about Christmas, that and spending time with the family, of course. Um, wishing you a Merry Christmas and hope to see you soon. Bye. My name is Alex. I'm Amelia's aunt. And one of my favorite Christmas traditions is getting around the piano and singing holiday songs with my family. My favorite Christmas tradition would have to be singing Christmas carols by the fire and also opening one gift on Christmas Eve. Hello, this is Chris Larry. What's up? Hashtag TLPP. One of my favorite holiday memories is actually, this is a great executive producer move by Mary but she started this thing, I think, seven or eight years ago uh, where we do homemade Larry's, where we do typical Secret Santa. We draw names. We usually do that in the summer. And then everyone has from the summer to Christmas to make a homemade, personalized, special gift for their homemade Larry Secret Santa. And then we open them up all together if we can near Christmas. And it's just super awesome and super creative. My name is Shannon. I am Amelia's older cousin. And my favorite slash funny holiday memory, um, one year we did a talent show in the basement of our Uncle Joe's place. And Aunt Mary, who is Amelia's mom, and I sang the national anthem in harmony. I am Grandpa Larry. I am Amelia's grandfather and Chris's dad. My favorite memory of Christmas is being out in in the room before everybody comes in and watching the faces of everybody as they see what's under the tree for the first time. Hey, everybody, this is J.D. McPherson, and you're listening to Larry's Pop Pod. I want to wish everybody happy holidays and hope that you're uh, experiencing all your favorite family traditions this time of year. Uh, my favorite family tradition usually involves eating all the banana pudding and blaming it on the little kids. I hope the same goes for you. Happy holidays, everybody. And that was Jaden McPherson with his new album out called Socks. Yeah, this is our favorite new ho- uh, holiday record that came out earlier in the fall. It's got 10 new original holiday songs. They're swinging. They're funny. It really is just a fantastic record. So on your Spotify, on your iTunes, best get it on vinyl. This is a holiday album you need to add to your holiday collection. What were some of your favorite songs on it? My favorite song was Hey Skinny Santa. There's another one that I'll get the name to. Holly Carol Candy and Joy. All right. Holly Carol Candy and Joy. Yeah. All of the songs are kind of funny. They're kind of cheeky. It's great stuff. So we're going to drop what Amelia said was her favorite jam on the album, and that is Hey Skinny Santa. So here it is, J.D. McPherson, Skinny Santa.
Hey, Skinny Santa by J.D. McPherson. And now we've got, to end our show, another new hit. This one is a world premiere, first time ever been aired on anywhere, let alone the Larry's Pop Pod. It is Amelia and Ethan and their ode to the gooey, chocolatey treat that is good for any season especially the holiday season. That song is S'mores. Here it is, world premiere, S'mores.